it's God first, other second, yourself third. The unique and cool thing about it is if you have that perspective, it comes back around to benefit you. Iwoo Hoops presents The Pursuit. Go inside the locker room as Iwoo Hoops trades the pursuit of me for the pursuit of three. Welcome to episode six of The Pursuit. I'm Jeff Clark, and I'm one of the basketball coaches at Indiana Wesleyan. In a matter of 12 months, Evan Maxwell went from playing at number one ranked Kansas University to coming off the bench at IWU. Today, we're going to hear from Evan about his journey, and then in the second half, be joined by Coach Tonegal and Ben Carlson about a moment in December when Evan got called to a higher level, and what imitating Christ's humility looks like in our culture. Evan, before we get to your story at Indiana Wesleyan, let's rewind and let listeners inside some more of your story. You decide to transfer from a place where you're thriving at Liberty University in search of more, specifically the MBA. Take us inside that recruiting process and how it all unfolded. Um, so, so going into college, I definitely loved basketball, but I definitely knew that um, off the court was more important. Growing spiritually was more important. So that's why I chose to go to Liberty. Um, it's a Christian school. And I knew I'd be pushed off the court. Um, but as my time continued there, I got, I got better. I, I experienced some, some success on the court. Um, and then, like you said, um, I was I was being told that I had the ability um, to play professionally, um, but not only professionally, but it's up to me how high I go. I, if if I work hard enough, I could go to the NBA, um, have a 15-year pro career or whatever. So um, during that time, I just really kind of got obsessed with the game. So as I went through the, the recruiting process, um, after I mean, looking back now, I know <clears throat> they were all pretty pretty much the same thing. Um, it was just opportunities for me um, to to take advantage of however I wanted to. So it was pretty much like we're giving you a situation to succeed, and if you want, you can run with this and, and get whatever you want out of it. Um, you can play here for a certain amount of time and then leave whenever you want and go to the NBA and almost like guaranteeing that if you come here, you're going to have – the opportunity to go to go to the NBA. So in my mind, it was like, well, well, there it is. Like going to a school like this, it's it's a lock to get into the, the NBA draft and all of that stuff. So that really started to become a major priority for me. So none of these things that you talk about are inherently bad. In fact, many of them are good. But to hear your story, a lot of what you were being sold was the pursuit of yourself. After a semester, you decided to transfer. What led to that decision, and, and how did you get to that spot? Uh, yeah, so like I said before, it, it worked for a little while, um, pursuing basketball and my, my success on the court and, and growth in that way. Um, but as time goes on, I, I started to lose who I really was and not, not knowing what I was all about anymore, uh, losing my love for the game, um, having no real substance in, in what I was doing. I found it hard to get up in the mornings, to be around people and really give effort to something that I loved so much because... My ideas had changed so much, <clears throat> it had started to change who I was and who I was becoming. So I knew that the, the thing that was lacking in my life 
was like my relationship with God. It was still there, but I wasn't giving any time to it. I couldn't hear him as well as I once did. I didn't give him the time that I used to. Um, I knew that I was lacking in that area. Um, I, I knew that I couldn't succeed in that environment if I didn't have that. And it just started to lead me to the point where I knew that my priorities were, were messed up. I wasn't happy where I was at. And um, I, I knew I was missing the joy that came with um, being in tune with the will of God. And I knew that that will was not, or that I was pursuing a will that was my own and not his. Um, so I decided to go home. I didn't have any relationship with basketball. Um, I, I definitely fell out of love with that. Um, and like I said, I, I, I was really confused as to where where I was at, what I was going, what I was passionate about. I really lost who I was in that time. So, so you're home with family, trying to find that love, trying to find that direction again. And we fast forward a couple of months. I, we had just hired on staff Coach David Osborne. And Coach Osborne is a very passionate guy, and he always dives in and gets his hands in things. And I remember one night he sent me a text, and uh, it was a highlight film. And he said, would we have any interest in this player? And it was your highlight video. And he, obviously it was a, a transfer from Kansas University, and I wanted to give – young David a lesson and just say, well, David, yeah, we would have interest, but let's tell you how recruiting works. Well, come to find out there was a, a connection to the family. Uh, and he ends up getting your number and giving you a call. What was going through your mind the first time that he called you from Indiana Wesleyan? Um, well, at first, I, I never heard about Indiana Wesleyan. I didn't even know about NAI until probably months prior to this. Um, so my, my brother actually was contacted first by Coach Osborne. Uh, he ended up telling me he lives only two hours from here. So he was really excited saying there's this Christian school that offers scholarships and it's just a couple hours away. Um, David Osborne just got a job there. And that name was familiar, um, but I only knew of him. I never actually met him. He was just some goofy guy I would see around and uh, I didn't think anything of it. So really hearing about it and, and even hearing the name Indiana Wesleyan. I didn't know what Wesleyan meant. I didn't know much about Indiana. Like I said, I didn't know NAI. So I, I didn't I, I didn't know what it was or what it was all about. So it kind of seemed like a joke, a long shot, like something I would never be interested in. But I knew he was a, there was a connection, and I had no lead in my life, really. Um, so I, I decided to give it a chance just out of respect to talk to him. Um, so it sounds a little bit like you almost, as a favor to your brother, took this phone call. But then somehow a couple months later, you end up on campus on a visit. So take us from the moment when Coach Osborne first called you all the way up to the visit when you decided to come to Indiana Wesleyan. What happened to change your mind in that time? Um, well, like I said, it, it was something I didn't take seriously. But um, even though um, it didn't seem like an option or anything, it was like the first moment I, I was on the phone with him, started the conversation, my heart was open to it. My mind was open to it. It flowed naturally. And I was talking about things I had cared about um, or that I do care about. And so looking back on all the recruiting processes I went before, hearing the same things, hearing the same values, um, it was just so refreshing to hear someone talk about the things I cared about, a relationship with God, growing off the court more than on the court, coaches that cared about you more than on the court. I got off the phone and was kind of like, that was weird because going into it and even at even at, at that point after the phone call, it was kind of like, well, it's too bad that's something I would never consider because he's a nice guy. It sounds pretty cool. 
Um, but then I ended up talk, talking to Coach T, um, and the same exact thing. It flowed naturally. It felt good. It was things I cared about, a guy that I, I could see myself getting along with and growing with and growing from and learning from, um, somebody I would want to be around. Um, and then followed by that, I talked to you, Coach Clark, and it was the same thing, just talking about things that I cared about, no, knowing that these were guys that um, that I would learn from and, and want to become more like and just uh, learn more about Christ with and, and through them. Um, so it was really that that um, got me to the point of wanting to visit and just check it out. And I mean, I think all the way along the process, even to when I committed, like it started to become something I knew that God was showing me. I knew he was saying, this is clear. This is what I want you to do. There's no other option. This is it. There's no more you choosing your own destiny. Like this is what I want for you. And I'm making it clear. If you want to say no and do something else, then that's on you. That's like Jonah going to the whale. That's what I, that's the situation I was in. Um, but all along it was like, no, this can't be it. There's no way like this doesn't make sense. But at the same time, like the way I was responding to everything was like, this is exactly what I've been looking for. This is exactly what I want. So that's, that's really how my perspective changed in order to get me on campus and learn more about the program. So when you get here, it's the summer. There's not a lot of people around. So the coaches were here, and this is when you first form your friendship with Ben Carlson. Talk a little bit about the experience with him because little did you know at that time, the one person on our program who had the most to lose from you coming in was Ben because he'd been behind elite players, Lane Mahern being one of them for the past couple of years, and it was finally his time to start. And now all of a sudden he's being asked to recruit a guy who surely would be in position to take his starting spot. So you didn't know that at the time, but what was it like getting to know Ben the first time? Yeah, so um, I didn't know any of the players. I had only talked to coaches. That's the only representation I had of the program. Um, so I get off the plane, and he's the first guy I meet out of the car. I was a little surprised. I was like, okay, this guy's pretty big. Like He's tall. He looks like he could move. Like, all right, so obviously the NAI has got to have some players. Like He's got some size, whatever. He was extremely friendly. He was answered all my questions. He was a really nice guy. Like he really made me feel like um, I was wanted and that he was there because he wanted to be there, not because he had to be there. It was just like when I talked to the other coaches. Like it was just natural. Like he seemed like a friend. He seemed like a guy that I. There's a no-brainer. We'd be friends and we'd be able to get along. And like you said, like the position, I had no clue. I didn't know that he would be losing anything or or any of that dynamic. He was just a really nice guy, welcoming, and I could tell that I, I could be friends with him. So you, you decide to come to Indiana Wesleyan. You get on campus for the start of school. And, and I know there's a, a culture shock everywhere you go. It's just different. This place is very different from Liberty. It's very different from Kansas. And all the way up from the start of school through the father-son retreat as we're getting ready to start practice, what were your impressions? And maybe when did you really start to identify what our culture was all about? Um, well, coming into it, I didn't know anybody. I didn't know anything about the culture. I didn't know about the level of play or anything like that. Um, so I really just came in like a sponge and just soaking everything up, seeing what it's all about. And then moving into the father-son retreat, I heard that it could be a really cool experience and you can learn a lot and it can be eye-opening and all that. Um, but I didn't really know how it would be. The thing that stood out to me most or really spoke to me the most was when we were sitting around the circle just talking about each other and I think 
I think it went like one guy would, would talk about, I think it was the seniors or the leadership team would talk about a specific guy and just give them some feedback about what they're doing well and what they can do better. And, um, ben was talking about me and he, he kind of talked about how our culture of humility and I am third is not about um, stepping back and not doing anything. Cause he talked about how I came in and I had no ego or whatever, but I kind of just sat back and, and I didn't, give a ton and I was trying to be too humble in a way um, but he kind of called me to another level by saying in order to be truly I am third and, and to give it's using your strengths to make the, the team stronger so saying that I can really go to another level of humility in just giving more and doing more of my strength rather than sitting back and letting others do. Hmm. So you come off the father son and you ha have a little bit more of a picture of what our culture is all about, but we haven't gotten to games. And we move into games, and game one, you come out and have a monster game to beat one of the top teams in the country. But over the next month, there's some ups and downs. There's games where you are dominant, and there are games where you don't produce a lot. There's games where the team plays at a high level, and there's games where the team struggles. What's going through your mind, and how are you responding to those moments at that point? Um, during that time, I, I really didn't know what my role would be. I didn't know what our team would look like, what our style would be, what would identify us. So it was really hard for me to know um, where I fit in. And I knew I could do a lot of different things. Um, so even the first game, I was just I was just out there playing. And um, sometimes that wasn't the most efficient things, but I, I knew I was capable of doing a lot of things. So I was just, I was just doing. So um, obviously, like you said, it, it resulted in a lot of inconsistency. I didn't know who I was in the program. And then um, just when things didn't go my way, I had a natural um, tendency to just turn inward and just say, all right, I'm, I'm not doing well. I'm just going to stop doing as much because it's not helping anybody. And so then I just wouldn't give anymore. And then I would just turn inward and, um, you know what I mean, just, just sulk in my own feelings. It's interesting you say through the first month or two of the season, you turned inward. And that's what this podcast is about, is trading the pursuit of me for the pursuit of three. I want to fast forward to the, the moment that this podcast is about. We lose to IU East. We go in the locker room, and it's a hard conversation with everybody. Coach really held guys to a higher standard and, and called some guys out, and we had to do some soul searching. And I don't know if it was a day or two days after that, we had a meeting uh, up in the offices here with all the post players, and Something that I never will forget happened in that meeting. Can you take us inside that meeting and what happened next? Oh uh, yeah, for sure. Um, well, even even looking back on the IU East now or toward the end of the uh, end of the season, I, I looked at that and um, I didn't have my identity back then. I, I will look at it now and be like, "What am I doing?" Like that's stuff that <laughs> I would never do now that I know that know my role in the program. Going along with how Ben had started telling me. Um, to stop sitting back and being passive, but just be more aggressive and use your talents to help us rise rather than just thinking that a humble is, is kind of a quiet thing. Um, during that time, he was starting over me. That was something that I just assumed was because he was already in the program and I wasn't. Um, he, he was experienced within the coaches and, and I didn't know the coaches very well. Uh, he had a role. He knew what was expected of him in the program, and I didn't. So um, in that moment, he called me to actually take that role. And, and it was not about who starts and who doesn't. 
It was just about being the best we can be in our roles. And so he was saying that in order for our team to go to the next level, we need me. He was saying we need you to rise up to that that next level to help us rise to that next level. So it wasn't we need you to be the starter because that doesn't mean anything. He was saying we need you to pick up your role and start doing a lot more of this, being more dominant in different ways than you're not used to. And um, he really modeled some of that by the way he played and, and how he was being. But that time was definitely big for me, um, just having him call that out of me. And um, he he made sure that I would do it right because he said, "If you're, I'm not going to let you take it. So the only way you're going to get that role is by actually being that role. Uh, so that really called me to actually do what it takes to be um, that role for the team and not just the label of a starter, but being being a starter and being a leader on the court, the, the kind of leader that we needed um, so that he could step back and, and do the role, the, the six-man role or whatever, um, coming off the bench and, and bringing his best to the team. What's so powerful to think about was how the seeds he planted in June when he came to the, the recruit visit and he could have been hurting himself by trying to recruit you here. And then up to the father-son retreat, you bring him up again. He'd been building trust and credibility as a leader with you for months. And he gets you in a room and he says, I see something greater in you than you have right now. What was it like in that moment because of the trust that Ben had developed in you to hear that from a teammate? Uh, I think it was pretty special. It's something that I, I hadn't really experienced before. Um, something that I've, I've always loved about this program, just the honesty and um, the ability to encourage each other and tell each other what we're doing well, but never letting each other settle for mediocre or just comfort, always calling greatness out of one another. So in that moment, that was like the first real um, time where somebody looked at me and, and just said, listen, like we, I want, I'm dying to step back sure. and, and limit my role so that our team can be better. And so for him to call that out of me, and like I said, not for any type of like status or, or starter or whatever, none of that meant anything. It was just about being the best we can be in, in, on this team. So he knew that um, in order for us to be the best we can be, that was the role that I needed to embrace in order for me to be the best I can be and for him to be the best that he could be to make us the best that we could be. We're going to hear more of your story throughout the season beyond this. So at this moment, you're being called to a greater standard. Ben saying, I see more in you than you're giving right now. And we're going to hear how that finishes later. Uh, but before we get there, you had mentioned when you were at your last school, you had lost some of your love for basketball, some of your passion and by the end of the season, it was so clear. You were playing with passion and love. And we saw a different version of Edmund Maxwell than we did when you first came in June. Was there a specific moment where you remember falling in love with the game again? Um, I don't know if I can say a specific moment, um, but there, have, there were a lot of moments for sure. Um, I think mainly the biggest thing for me, and it goes back to why I fell in love with the game in the beginning, was just people. I mean, I was in an environment where guys were throwing their bodies on the on the line for each other. Um, they were calling each other out because they loved each other. Um, hmm. There were some moments where 
like Ben called me out, Micah called me out at one point, tough moments where um, they had to say what needed to be said. And, and honestly, guys that didn't love me wouldn't say that and they wouldn't call me out on it. And that just goes to show how much they love their, their team, they love their teammate, and, and they love the game and just what we're all about. And so I think that what has rejuvenated my love is definitely the relationships with my teammates, my coaches, um, the bond we've been able to, um, to have. And then obviously just the basketball side of it, like we were winning games, but we're doing it the right way. We're, um, we're pursuing this because not, not so that we can have success in this world or anything, but ultimately to point all the glory to God. And that was the biggest thing for me is just having confidence that we're doing this for a reason and for the right reason that, I mean, winning doesn't mean anything. Stats doesn't mean anything. Starting doesn't mean anything. It's just all that matters is that all the glory goes to God. So, I mean, even this podcast is probably more influential than winning a national championship. And the story that we can tell now is what's pointing glory toward God because I guarantee there's not one guy on this team that doesn't have God at the center of their testimony. And their story ultimately points to the work that God's done in their life and it inspires others others to do the same. So that's really where my love has, has come back into the picture. And it's not just love for basketball. It's it's love for so much more, but basketball can be a part of it and it can reach lives and it can be a bridge between somebody who doesn't know the Lord and just wanting to listen to me just because I play basketball, but the basketball skills and stories aren't what I have to offer somebody. But if it's what gets them to listen, then that's all that matters and all the glory can be pointed back to God. And Evan, I know your story is resonating with so many people because it's so easy for us to to get off track and start pursuing me by going to a school that's promising everything you would ever want. But when we pursue our own selfish ambition, it never leads to the satisfaction, joy, or fulfillment we desire. So to hear how God redeemed this and restored this to you pursuing three again and finding that love and that passion, I can't wait for future episodes when listeners are able to hear the finish of your story and some of the things that happen later on in the year. When we come back, though, we're going to hear from Coach Tonigal and Ben Carlson from that same meeting inside the offices. And what was Coach T seeing as he saw a senior make such a humble move? And what was going through Ben's mind? Obviously, there was risk involved and probably fear in his mind. We'll hear from them about that same meeting. This podcast was created to take you behind the scenes of building an I Am Third culture in a basketball program. But IW Hoops believes this philosophy can translate to any context. As we enter this one-minute halftime, we want to let you hear from our sponsor, Insurance Management Group, who is building a culture of I Am Third in the insurance industry right here in Indiana. Here's IMG President Trent Daly. Pursuing the I Am Third lifestyle has helped me grow as a leader in all aspects of life. Putting God first, my colleagues and customers second, and myself third has impacted IMG in ways I couldn't have imagined. At IMG, we have a passion for people and helping them achieve their goals. We are not just an insurance agency. We are a culture and an experience. You should expect more from your insurance agent. Visit us now at www.insmgt.com. Now back to the second half. We're back with Coach Tonigal and Ben Carlson. 
We just heard from Evan Maxwell on his journey to Indiana Wesleyan all the way up to the loss to IU East and the moment when Ben Carlson called Evan up to the offices and challenged him to take his starting spot. And we're going to go a little bit into that moment, but specifically the concept of humility and what it means in our program. Coach Tonigal, this is a, something we talk a lot about. you mind sharing what humility looks like within our program? Yeah, sure. And I think we got to ask the question of where uh, true strength or power is found because we're a competitive organization. We're, we're a basketball team, obviously. And so we are trying to create strength and power. So we got to ask, where is it found? And on one hand, I think the world would tell you it's found uh, in, a, in a search for power or domination. But on the other hand, if you look biblically, I think we've, we've understood strength and power to be found in humility, which is the complete opposite. Um, and initially, um, I think the world would say, hey, humility is a, uh, it's a passive act. It's, uh, it's seen as low. It's seen as weak. But the more we, we, we search scripture, especially the life of Jesus, there's nothing passive about humility. Yeah, we, we really see it in Philippians 2, the, the passage that the program is built on. It describes Christ's humility, but it's not passive in nature at all. It's aggressive. He goes to the cross for our sake. What about Christ's example uh, is what we want to find within our guy, the guys in our program, and how does it ultimately lead to success? Yeah, I mean, Christ himself, as you allude to, he says that power is, is given to the weak. And so in essence, we are choosing to be weak in order to be powerful, which is, which is a very difficult thing to do. Uh, the other thing I think about humility is it's social. Right, I don't get, um, I don't grow in, in humility by standing in front of a mirror and thinking less of myself. Like nothing comes of that. But when I'm around other men, specifically in our context, and I begin to understand that the things I've been given are for their benefit, the power I've got is to be leveraged for their flourishing. Um, all of a sudden, I'm creating humility and I'm creating power, but I'm not losing anything of that. And I think once you get over that, you get over that fear of oh, I'm going to lose my position or status, which is I think what we're going to hear from Ben everybody wins. Ben, let's go into this specific example. So you're called to this moment of humility. You see Evan's growth in the program. He's bought in, but there's another level for him to go to. And you feel like you're the guy who has to call that out of him. Take us inside that moment, not just what you said, but what were you thinking? Yeah, I think, I think in that moment I was feeling two main things. And, And the first one was fear and the second one was passion. And I think my fear was just that um, as a senior, you, you don't want to lose anything, you know, you, you want to cherish every moment you have because you don't have a lot of time left. And I think um, I kind of was worried about my value to the team going down after losing my starting spot. And uh, the second thing I felt was passion. Um, and it was it was not just going to be me giving Evan a starting spot. You know, when, when you're like Coach, she said, um, humility is not passive. And, and when you have passion, you can't you can't be passive about anything. And so I, I knew that that I wanted to play, but I wanted us to be good more. But I knew that Evan hadn't earned that starting spot yet. So through my passion, I want to say, hey, man, it's yours, but you have to take it from me. Like, I, I want us to be good, and I want to play, but I just I want you to take it. But I'm just not going to give it to you. I'll always remember that moment in the office because you looked him square in the eye and said, Evan, for us to be the team we're going to be, you have to take my starting spot. Mm-hmm. And there was this pause, and you said, but I'm not going to give it to you. And it was true. It played out. Evan had to go to another level because you were going to battle him every single day. So it wasn't passive. It was aggressive humility. How were you able to find that balance, though? Because you wanted Evan to succeed, but not at the sake of you laying over or, or just letting him walk over you in practice. Yeah, I mean, uh, it was tough. I mean, I had to 
really put some selfishness aside because some days it's like just give me the ball so I can I can go at him all the time, you know. But I knew that that he is just a phenomenal basketball player. And I remember talking to him in that meeting. I said, you are a legit good Division One basketball player. I'm an, I'm an average <laughs> NAI basketball player. So I said, this is yours to take, and, and, and if you really want it, you can have it. So, yeah. We, we say in this program when you give something up, you always get back more. Coach, as you watch this, Ben's showing this aggressive form of humility. He's giving up something. But then over the course of the season, we hear stories time and time again of how he gained it back. What did you see as a coach in this moment? How did you see it play out going forward? Yeah, I think what, what we saw play out is this idea that humility offers um, job security, right? I mean, Ben kind of expressed it. He said his fear was that maybe he would lose value to the team. But what happened, as we look back in hindsight, is he gained way more value mm. to the team. He, he gained credibility. The team won. The team had success. And I think that's one of the unique things about humility it, is it rewards those who benefit other people. And in an organization, if you want to make yourself indispensable, find a way to make other people better. It's unfortunate. And I, and I do this all the time. I go about it the other way. I highlight myself or I focus on myself thinking if I, if I do that, then, then I can stay in this position and, and the organization needs me. But, but the reality is it needs me less. And so you take ben exam, Ben's example where he elevated Evan, focused less on himself, all of a sudden we needed Ben more, and that leadership really shone through. I think there were more than one person within our program when Ben was rewarded with a Mr. Hustle Award at the national tournament that thought back to moments mm. like that. Yeah, he was diving on the floor, but there was something greater that was driving Ben this year, and it, it was really fun to watch. Final thing, Ben, we talk a lot about the paradoxes of Scripture. <clears throat> So this concept of, of humility and, and how it comes back to reward you, if you want to be first, first find a way to be third. If you give something up, you're going to get it back in return. As you go on to the next phase of life, whether it's in a job, with your family someday, how do you think the recognition of these paradoxes is going to help you as you move forward? Yeah, I think paradoxes often have to do with the conflict between society and God and just how, how much they can contradict each other. And I think for me, the biggest one is just choosing what's difficult and moving forward. Um, and just knowing that that's going to benefit me most in the end. And, and you, we were taught to think what's easy is best. What's easy is best. Like the easy way is the best way out. And for me, I know that's not true. So just choosing um, what's hard. If I know it's, it's, it's something God has planned. Um, it's just what I need to do moving forward. And I know as a staff, we're really excited to watch this unfold because over the course of time here, you've really become a man who, as Philippians 2 says, imitates Christ's humility. On our next episode, we'll be joined by junior Trevor Wade. He's going to take you inside a moment that you won't hear about anywhere else. When the team lifted weights past midnight after a game. Growth often results from doing things that you don't want to do. Um, so I, I guarantee that no one wanted to go into that weight room and do 3,000 upper body lifts. In, in 30 minutes, you know, so, but at the same time, doing that instilled the mindset in us that um, we need to have this desire uh, when we're on the court. See you next time. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Pursuit. If you were challenged to grow from this podcast, please rate or review us on your podcast platform or share with those you know as it helps multiply the impact. 
If you have a question you would like to ask iWooHoops on a future episode, hashtag AskIWooHoops or email jeff.clark at indwes.edu. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook at iWooHoops. Join us next time right here on The Pursuit. And remember, if you want to be first, first find a way to be third.